Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Binance Podcast. My name is Weijo. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Binance. So, what I want to do with this show is to spend time talking to specialists, entrepreneurs, scholars, influencers, basically leading people from a variety of industries. Hopefully, through these conversations, we can share insights on how blockchain is changing not just these different industries, but also in changing the world. Here's a quick disclaimer: all opinions expressed by our host and our guests on this podcast are merely their own opinions. They do not imply any endorsements or opinions of their companies. You should not take these opinions as specific investment advice, as you will be solely responsible for your own investment. Hey everyone, this is、uh, We finally back. It's been a couple of weeks off, busy traveling around, and then、uh, launching different things at Binance. But I'm really, really excited to have a very, very special guest, Aaron Gong, who is the director for Binance Futures. As of recording yesterday, Binance Futures has been on, I think online for about ten days. Yes. And then we just had our record high trading last night with a crazy day in the Bitcoin world and in the crypto world as a whole. You know, our system held up quite well, and we had a you know record volume so far.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so as we continue to build on the futures platform for Binance, I would thought it'd be a really good opportunity for Aaron to come here to introduce himself. Talk a little bit about、uh, his personal background because I think we've continuing to add、uh, talented people here because Aaron has been a、uh, veteran with、uh, CME,、mm-hmm. uh, which is actually has a competing futures product、uh, right. in, in the U.S. And then、uh, spend a little bit of time about how he came into cryptocurrency, and then talk a little bit about the Binance Futures product, and then general outlook、uh, in terms of the the market. And we'll let Aaron talk take it over from here. So,、okay. thank you for、uh, joining the podcast. We're family here, so I'll be nice. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Wei. Yeah. So we would love to hear a little bit about your background,、mm-hmm. um, okay. professionally, personally. You know, anything you want to talk about. Sure. So I joined Binance in early this year、uh, to build the. Features business and starting from the technology and then product, and then we finally launched、uh, slightly more than a week ago. And before I joined Binance, I was spending my entire career in traditional futures market, starting my career in a Dutch prop trading firm, then a New York-based、uh, managed futures hedge fund, then、uh, worked for CME to looking after their APAC clients. Although it's a different experience right now, but I think、uh, lots of、uh, careers just、uh, um, joined the same paths and、uh, worked out perfectly so far. Tell me a little bit about、uh, how did you get into the futures business? What did you study? Did you study finance out of college, or、uh? actually,、uh, I studied financial engineering in college,、mm-hmm. and then、uh, there was a school tour, and、uh, we went to Chicago, and then the two arranged us to visit the pit.、Mm-hmm. They actually pit, which people are trading. Uh, about the hand signals and in Chicago, and actually it was、uh, CME pit. No, the pit, the、yes. pit and the CME pit.、Yes. Oh wow!、Okay. Yes. So, so it really inspired me. And、uh, then、uh, back then, I saw lots of excitements going on in the pit, and、uh, I thought, okay, this probably is the career I'd like to pursue. And then after I got graduated, and then I started to looking for jobs, and uh, uh, luckily I found a job、uh, to join a Dutch. Uh, market making firm. But this is in the U.S. or in,、uh, in U.S. In the U.S. Yes.、Okay. Yes. And then, how did you make way from that futures trading forum to、uh-huh. actually working for CME? Well,、uh, because I was doing a pretty much desk job for a couple years, and then I really 
would like to explore um, the business side of the futures industry. Mm -hmm. And then there was the opportunity opened at CME in Hong Kong, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, they are looking for someone who has the uh, trading background and also knows uh, traders to join the firm to expand their Asia business. So I took this opportunity and uh, um, then started my journey with CME for seven years. What were your responsibilities? Like, what kind of work did you do? So you actually moved uh -huh. from the U.S. then uh -huh. to Hong Kong to work right. for CME. Uh -huh. Is it more of a, a trading job? Is it more of a sales job? What kind of specific roles? It was a more sales job uh -huh. um, because back to U.S., CME is pretty much dominant in the U.S. market with uh -huh. more than 90% shares. And then, back then, uh, seven, eight years ago, CME decided to expand to international market and mm -hmm. Asian. Asian market was very important segment back then. And uh, uh, actually, I was the third person in CME Hong Kong office. Okay. So we started from there and uh, started pretty much like uh, internal startup project. Start in a service office, then expand to like uh -huh. uh, a dozen people in Hong Kong. It worked out pretty well. And what uh, kind of clients were you pitching to? Uh, mostly uh, prop trading firms. Mm -hmm. By definition, they are managing their prop trading mm -hmm. capitals. And uh, surprisingly, after I got here, I found like most of them are still trading cryptos. So it's <laughs> a so small world. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So a lot of these prop trading firms, they're Asian-based. Yes. Right? Are they Asian money or are they Western money that sort mm -hmm. of like park themselves in Asia? Mm -hmm. And then what were sort of like the product offerings at CME that, mm -hmm. that, that you sold them? Okay, so largely there are two groups. Uh, the first group is just the um, branch office of the US or mm -hmm. European firms. So they just set up office in Asia, but they are still trading like uh, um, US centric products, but they are just covering the Asian hours. Mm -hmm. And the second group are just the home grow groups in Asia. Asia is more complicated than US and Europe because there are so many countries uh, with different language, cultures, and different products in their home country. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, Japan, they start uh, Nikkei as their flagship product. Mm -hmm. And so people from Japan, they are most familiar with the Nikkei market. And then uh, in Korea, they've got Kospi, right? Yep. And then, so lots of these uh, diversifications uh, are mingled together, uh, which create a very interesting market. But in the meanwhile, it also require uh, CME to put lots more resource Mm -hmm. and develop more Asian-relevant products. Yeah, because I have some friends who are doing, mm -hmm. who, who run their own sort of like, like you like mentioned, their prop desks right. or prop firms. And basically, one thing I learned, it was like 10, 15 years ago, is that right. Cosby Futures is yeah. like the biggest market in the world for some yeah. reason. Like, I have no idea why, but... Well, because uh, after I joined here, I probably can figure out why, because Korean <laughs> uh, <laughs> market, they have a very wide span of uh, age gaps in terms of, okay, how many percentage of people across different age, they all love to trade futures product. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you were at CME and then you cover basically Pan-Asia, yes. right? Like yeah. out of Hong Kong, you probably cover like China, yes. uh, Japan, right. Korea, all mm -hmm. of Southeast Asia. And right. then, and then, and then what did you notice in terms of like the, the change in the industry dynamics during mm -hmm. that time? Like, because you mentioned a lot of some of them mm -hmm. were, you know, Western, mm -hmm. you know, subsid or rep mm -hmm. offices or trading operations, mm -hmm. or some of them were homegrown. Like, I would imagine you're probably seeing a lot more in mm -hmm. or an increase mm -hmm. in terms of the homegrown, yes, the local mm -hmm. native ones or guys right. spun off raising money locally mm -hmm. and trading locally, mm -hmm. right? Yes, I think um, 
back to CME days, uh, when I first joined CME, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, the China market was just a very small, tiny portion of the entire Asian business, mm -hmm. and it was even smaller than like uh, Malaysian and also even Philippine. Um, but the major growth actually became the key driver of the uh, entire Asian revenue, okay. and it was because of uh, China. Okay. And that because China opened doors, and also um, lots of clients start to get familiar with the U.S. products, mm -hmm. and that that's the major difference. I would say, okay, the incremental new revenue versus like existing business. Mm -hmm. The existing business grows a lot slower, mm -hmm. but the incremental money in China just uh, take the front seat. Are there any local competitors to CME mm -hmm. in Asia? Yes, uh, in in Asia, we would think. Uh, um, Hong Kong Exchange and mm -hmm. Singapore Exchange and also like uh, uh, Osaka Exchange mm -hmm. and also like uh, um, Korean Exchange. Mm -hmm. They are our major competitors. And uh, even though Chinese exchange, we would think they are our competitor, but mm -hmm. they are mostly government-owned, so yep. it's quite different in nature. They have a uh, strong suits of uh, more uh, local market-relevant market product and also uh, strong support of the local client base. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, now this is where, we, where, yeah. where I think the conversation gets exciting and right. for a lot of the Binance listeners rather than sort of, I would say, the, fin the financial uh, listeners is uh, uh, we're going to move into cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. right? I think I met you sort of near the end of last year. Correct. Right? And then where you basically were thinking of doing something new, mm -hmm. right? You've been at a corporate job for, right. for a bit and then yep. you, you want to take the dip, right? Yes. How did you, what were you thinking then? Like wh when did you the, get bit by, I would mm -hmm. say, the crypto bug or the Bitcoin mm -hmm. bug? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, compared to most of the guys uh, here, even you, mm. I got into crypto pretty late. To be honest, I was not 100% convinced like two or three years ago about mm -hmm. crypto until two things happened. First one was the uh, internal training back then in CME days, and there was a um, options training done by like a pretty uh, famous uh, legendary options trader and uh, he said two things happened in 1973 first one is options first being listed in the exchange and the second thing is was um, two professors mm -hmm. called Black and Scholes yep. they wrote a paper about <laughs> options pricing okay. and decades years later uh, nowadays options being traded like a trillion dollars revenue yep. every year and also Black Scholes when mm -hmm. the Nobel Prize right so okay this really inspired me and okay if crypto is the next big thing as options then probably I should not miss it right mm -hmm. and also I mean, that's something that I think a lot of um, existing I would say the existing audience in crypto don't really understand is that correct. in their securities market mm -hmm. futures is way bigger than mm -hmm. spot yes right and primarily right now some of the exchanges that that exist out there there in crypto are pretty just generic spot mm -hmm. trading firms Right. Whereas if you look at sort of the larger volumes, mm -hmm. it's actually been on exchanges that have you know a real futures product, mm -hmm. right? Right. So even took uh, yesterday's volume for example, we are almost like uh, uh, same as uh, spot volume. Mm -hmm. So just uh, for a product uh, less than ten days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all, you saw potential opportunities here, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And uh, so and then obviously we did a really 
we tried really hard to mm -hmm. get your team in here, and right. then we're finally were able to to get the team in, mm -hmm. right? And then you actually helped to recruit some of the team members, yes. right? Mm -hmm. uh, no names, mm -hmm. but can you give a little bit of background about the team that you brought in and mm -hmm. the teams that has been working and building the project? Okay, so basically, uh, the strong foundation of the Binance Futures business is the matching engine, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got a who built the matching engine um, for traditional exchange in the US. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they, they brought their expertise to build the matching engine for Binance Futures. Mm -hmm. And uh, why this is so important? Because uh, there are lots of issues uh, with uh, some competitors slow of their matching engine, mm -hmm. which create the the lag. Lags, yep. yes. Yep. So that's why we paid a lot of attention to build the fastest engine, I would say, in the crypto industry. Mm -hmm. And then it's laid out the strong foundation for our growth. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that Binance is known for is actually for our matching engine, for mm -hmm. the spot exchange, right. right? Which has probably the fastest and the mm -hmm. largest capacity, I think, mm -hmm. in the industry. And I think, for, at least from my, my knowledge and what I've seen, is that the teams work together pretty closely mm -hmm. in terms of leveraging on some of the know-how from the spot exchange. Correct. And then, and then took the technology that you brought in mm -hmm. uh, as well. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Can you give a little bit of background about some of the sort of like uh, the bios of the of, of some of the team members? Okay, so um, we've got uh, some. Um, so basically, our team includes uh, the technology part yep. and also the uh, risk part yep. and also the business part. Right. Yep. So I just uh, introduced uh, the technology part, which they laid a strong foundation for our match engine. Mm -hmm. And the uh, second part is the risk part, and yep. because the difference between the Futures business and also sport business, the key elements is risk designs. Right? Yep. Because you've got uh, margins, you've got uh, liquidations and the insurance fund, mm -hmm. and also um, uh, auto deleverage. Mm -hmm. And uh, these have to be, conceptually speaking, these are just very simple terms, but the devil is in details. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. So lots of uh, competitors, uh, they've got uh, poor risk designs, mm -hmm. which caused lots of complaints from clients. Mm -hmm. But um, we've done lots of uh, research and also math work and also test to, tests to get this part right. Mm -hmm. And uh, the third part of the team is business side, and which is uh, led by me and also uh, Justin, which mm -hmm. uh, worked with me closely. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, we were focused heavily on how to um, bring the incremental revenue for Binance mm -hmm. from um, both international market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll speak from Binance's perspective. Mm -hmm. Like I think, I think strategically, we were very careful mm -hmm. about futures products. Mm -hmm. um, given some of the the mission behind Binance is to deliver the freedom of money, mm -hmm. right? And and I think um, overall around the world, Binance I think has has you know very good reputation, right? right. In terms of client service, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of putting always putting customer first, mm -hmm. right? And one of the uh, one of the uh, key concerns mm -hmm. about uh, delivering a Binance branded futures product, mm -hmm. or now we have two, but is the, the you know the margin call, right? Mm -hmm. Is actually the uh, some of the, the the features where customers put money in, they can mm -hmm. actually lose it, right. right? Which is one of the mm -hmm. unique characteristics mm -hmm. of it, right? And then mm -hmm. we had a very long struggle internally about mm -hmm. whether we want to have this product, mm -hmm. right? But I think one of the key two key things is one. Um, the system has to be fair, mm -hmm. right? Yes. The system has to be fair, and mm -hmm. the execution of it has to be fair, Correct. and the rules have to be transparent, Correct. right? And the system mm -hmm. has to be 
uh, I would say, have fail safes in place in mm -hmm. case of uh, high, in high school stressful situations, right? And they, right. what you mentioned is that a lot of these philosophies went into the design of our system, mm -hmm. right? Which makes it what we call say, a better iteration of right. what exists in the market today, mm -hmm. right? Can you comment a little bit about our risk management system mm -hmm. okay. and, and how we, our system as is, I would say not more fair, but has more transparency mm -hmm. and, uh, and better execution? Okay. I will just use a couple examples. Sure. Uh, first one is uh, that we use uh, index price as mark price for mm -hmm. liquidation mm -hmm. instead of last trade price. Yep. Uh, because uh, we've seen lots of manipulations in crypto world, especially in futures market, and uh, some of the manipulations done by um, some yep. some some like actors, uh, actors. Very, yes. very various actors in yeah. the industry. Yep. Yes, and uh, cause the loss of uh, um, wrong liquidations, and yeah, which I mean, cause the bleeding from the clients uh, in other exchanges. So that's why we used uh, uh, index price mm -hmm. as mark price because it's harder to manipulate. Correct. I think some of the competitors out there they depend on where they get their prices. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And then with enough force, mm -hmm. you can, if you can move prices mm -hmm. on the on the referenced exchange, right. then you can actually cause a one-time blip yes. on the price or mm -hmm. the quoted price mm -hmm. on the uh, futures exchange, mm -hmm. which right. we've seen. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also we've got a slower, uh, number of other features could. Uh, um, protect the users better. Mm -hmm. And uh, for example, uh, our interest fund is the, probably the only interest funds is taking positions, mm -hmm. uh, which can largely prevent uh, auto-deleverage from the counterparts. Mm -hmm. And uh, by doing this, uh, we've seen zero auto-deleverage mm -hmm. in yesterday, mm -hmm. on yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, and even with like uh, such huge volatilities, right? And the third part is for a new exchange, a new system. Too. Yes, it, yeah, it, it worked perfectly. It, uh, it, it, it was actually <laughs> impressive. Yeah. Yep. Yes, and also the third problem is because we have a such fast engine, mm -hmm. and uh, we are able to do uh, a smart liquidation. What does it mean? In most exchanges, once so there is a liquidation, your position is just uh, squared down to the mm -hmm. bankruptcy price. Yep. But the difference in our market is okay. There is a liquidation on your account, and uh, we just first close your account by placing order in the market. Once the first order executed by the best price, we'll quickly do a recalculation mm -hmm. on your balance. Uh, if it meets the margin requirements mm -hmm. immediately after first trade, mm -hmm. then your account is back to safe again. Okay. Lots of exchange can offer this kind of uh, uh, smart liquidation mm -hmm. because uh, it's a lot of work for matching engine. But because of the scalability yes. and of our matching engine, yes. we can deliver this type of um, Correct. service. Correct. Right? Yes. So mm -hmm. in time, because like, I think really times of stress is mm -hmm. when a platform sort of shines, right? right? I think that's where Binance is able to shine in terms of like high volume. Yes. When everybody else kind of crashes, we're still mm -hmm. trading, right? And the same here it seems like even when times of distress. We're not cleaning up. We're not sort of yes, like so, taking so out the cards. There's right? a reminder yeah. in your account, and uh, there's like act now. Yes, right. <laughs> Put your money in, or get called. Right. Yes. So mm -hmm. um, no, that's really, really, really cool. Can you talk a little bit about um, what you see? Because I think markets, I would say it's semi-warm mm -hmm. in terms of co competition levels. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't think it's like sort of white hot. Right. But it's also not like two years ago where there's only one player, mm -hmm. right? Or two players. Right. I think the market's mm -hmm. sort of heating up a little bit on mm -hmm. futures, given 
the sort of the the lack of price movements or downward price movements mm -hmm. for in, across sort of I would say the altcoin industry, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of action has primarily been like seventy or eighty percent of the trading has been in Bitcoin, right? right? And futures plays a big part of that, right? right? Where do you see this industry or this you know competitive dynamics over the next few months, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm sure you keep the pulse pretty, you know, pretty tight on the various competitors we mm -hmm. have out there. Mm -hmm. right? Well, I think. Uh, um, First of all, um, the best product will win the market mm -hmm. down the road. And uh, so, like, like I said, okay, two or three years ago, there was only like you know, two players. One and a half. One and a <laughs> half, yes, right. So um, then um, the system and product was not designed to handle new flows and mm -hmm. also clients trading types mm -hmm. nowadays, like two or three years later, mm -hmm. right? So Because uh, there's a lot more sophisticated people in right, the market now. Right, right. 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 So that's why I think, uh, okay, um, although there's a lot of new exchange or existing exchange offering futures product, uh, in the end of the day, and the best system, best product, and the best service will mm -hmm. win the market. Yeah, I think so, because the point that I'm trying to get to is mm -hmm. it's, it's not like just because you're an incumbent, mm -hmm. you have an existing you know, large size trade book. Mm -hmm. If your product it becomes outdated, mm -hmm. then the money will leave your exchange, mm -hmm. right? Would you say that's a fair statement? Well, uh, the second point I didn't say is, okay, <laughs> so liquidity is still matters, right? Yep, so, yep. so liquidity <laughs> still matters, right? Still matters, gotcha. yes. Okay. I so, got you. Um, because the futures market is different than the spot market, yep. and uh, the liquidity is close, and it has a certain value to bring more liquidity, yep. right? So yep. uh, unless it becomes like, okay, I came from the traditional market, mm -hmm. and uh, down the road, uh, not many new exchanges got tremendous success as CME, except mm -hmm. one, which was uh, ICE. Yep. Right. So, so, so they, they launched product at the right time, and they put a lot of efforts with a lot of uh, supporters, mm -hmm. and they got got win the the war of uh, crude oil, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, um, besides the best product technology, and uh, we also need to put lots of efforts to acquire new users. Yep. Uh, by providing the uh, right features and also right service, and uh, different clients in different country has different uh, uh, trading habits. Um, so, so I would say it's a combination of the best product and the best uh, service. Okay. Yeah. The speaking of ICE, mm -hmm. pretty big news this week happened as well. Box launched yep. their uh, physical delivered ex delivered mm. Bitcoin exchange on Monday. Right. What is physically delivered Bitcoin? What does that mean? I don't know. Okay. So uh, in traditional world, it means okay if you you enter a one month, uh, for example, gold position, mm -hmm. then you, if you hold position all the way till one month, then you expect you can receive uh, one contract worth of literally physical gold. Mm -hmm. And in crypto world, it means okay there's a physical Bitcoin will be deposited to your account. If so, you hold the contract to yeah, the expiration. Yes, correct. And uh, previously, CME also launched Bitcoin Futures, but it was cash settled, means yep. it's based on the price. price okay. yes. But why did they do that then? Mm -hmm. Well, I would assume um, because uh, the cash settled products has flows okay, of price manipulations, uh -huh. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very difficult to prevent that without offering the real assets. As, as the underlying asset yes. and the contract. Do you see Bakht as a competition for, 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 for Binance Futures? Well, I don't think so, uh, because uh, basically 
Spark is targeting at different client segments. Mm -hmm. They are mostly targeting at US clients, uh, US institutional clients, mm -hmm. and uh, their service and product is very different than our products. Well, they they only like uh, offers training hours seven days, not uh, five days a week. Okay, right. So now, so they close for the weekend. Yes, they close for the weekend. And crypto uh, doesn't <laughs> sleep. Crypto doesn't sleep. Yes, correct. So I would say okay. We focus on different market and uh, okay. we offer different product. Talking about sort of competition, I think um, there are some other players, mm -hmm. right? And then I think um, we're starting to see option crypto or options coming into the market as yes. well. Mm -hmm. um, do you see any potential in that space? Well, uh, historically speaking, in traditional world, um, options is uh, trading a lot less than futures. Mm -hmm. They it has certain clients of segments and. Because uh, okay, options is more like insurance funds. Uh, insurance mm -hmm. you can just step by as the insurance yep. to protect your risk. I would say it has a certain usage, uh, but it's more the personal choice by clients. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And last question. One of the things that was uh, kind of interesting that took place was actually the battle for futures, mm -hmm. right? Where uh, I think uh, Binance ended up buying, uh, I would say, a competing platform, mm -hmm. uh, Jex. Right. And then the two platforms were pitted against each other mm -hmm. in the market. Mm -hmm. By the end of the day, I think uh, um, whatever works best for the market uh -huh. and also best for work for, for the finance, mm -hmm. then um, we're just win the markets, right? Yep. Uh, it's a healthy competition, I would mm -hmm. say, internally and also externally. Mm -hmm. uh, but personally, I wouldn't view Jax as a competitor uh, because uh, we are working for the same goal yep. to bring more customers to Binance, and uh, it's a healthy eco environment, mm -hmm. uh, as far as I can tell. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think some, 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 somewhere down the road, the liquidity has to be able to be flowed. Mm -hmm. the, I think centralized liquidity is is really important. Yes. So I think we have to figure out what's going on some down the road, and mm -hmm. then lastly, you know, what do you look forward to the most for Binance futures? For Binance futures. Of course, uh, more liquidity mm -hmm. and more volumes and uh, uh, more happiness from clients. Okay, yeah. great. All right. Thank you, Aaron, for the time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview as, as much as I did. If you like this show, please share this episode on Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, WeChat, or any other social media platforms. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Binance Podcast and see you next time.